When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. I'm Stephanie Safarian, and this is episode 80. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there and welcome back. Today we are talking about the super popular phrase in the low waste and zero waste communities, which is use it up, wear it out, make do or do without. Maybe you have heard this phrase before. I'm guessing you have. But before this phrase ever became the anthem of modern day zero waste living, it was our grandparents' realities. Our grandmothers and our grandfathers used stuff up, or they wore it out, or they made do, or they simply did without, before zero waste or low waste living was even a thing. The truth is, we can learn an awful lot from our grandparents' examples, and that's what this episode addresses today. So right off the bat, today I am asking you to keep some things, 13 things to be exact, And at first glance or at first listen, doing so may appear to be completely contradictory to minimalism, right? I'm asking you to keep things. Minimalism is all about letting items go. So why on earth would I ask you to keep some stuff around? Well, there's a balancing act to be had between minimalism and zero-waste living. And the balance that feels right for you in your life and in your particular circumstances is what we're seeking to uncover today. For me, my balance between low-waste living and minimalism means that I won't and really I just can't throw something out that I can reuse and thus save me from an unnecessary purchase down the line. Now, if you are a minimalist through and through and the thought of saving anything makes you cringe, don't despair. I purposely picked the items we're talking about today because they don't take up a lot of space and many of them can save you money by serving a double purpose down the road so you don't have to go out and buy new. On today's show, I am offering up 13 items that you can happily reuse just like our grandparents did. And many of the reuse ideas here are pretty ingenious with the purpose that we can all get back in the reuse mindset as opposed to that 21st century horrid single-use mindset. Now, this week's show notes, you can find them at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 080. That's M-A-M-A minimalist.com forward slash 080. All right, so let's get right into it. The first item that my grandma and my grandpa too never threw away is aluminum foil. 
Now, did you know that aluminum foil is not a single-use item? Many people don't know that. I recently had a smallish dinner party at my house, and as I was cleaning up the kitchen and washing the dishes, I was also washing a piece of aluminum foil. And as I was doing so, I just happened to look up, and I noticed that a few of my guests were looking at me like I was crazy. But it's true. Aluminum foil can be used again and again and again. Just wash it off, lay it flat to dry, and reuse. Obviously, aluminum foil will not last forever, so when it has reached the end of its life, you can either wash it again, dry it, roll it into a ball, and recycle it. Many recycling programs will take aluminum foil, but not all, so check your specific standards. Or you can crumble that foil into a ball and use it as a pot scrubber. So no need for Brillo because that ball of aluminum foil will work way better. Finally, one more reuse suggestion for aluminum foil. I haven't tried this, but my grandma swears by it. Aluminum foil can polish your silver by lining a glass pan with your old foil, pouring in boiling water, and then adding your silver. Genius. Moving right along to item number two that my grandparents never threw out were diapers. Disposable diapers weren't popular in my grandparents' time, so they, of course, weren't throwing them out. Disposable diapers weren't invented until 1948, and even then, they didn't start to gain in popularity until the 1970s. The idea of throwing out an item that was used so frequently must have seemed completely foreign to my grandmother. So she cloth diapered her heart out with her three children, and I'm sure she made it look easy. Now, for many moms in the trenches like myself, the fear of extra work onto our overflowing plate is real. I get it. But if you're like me, the thought of spending 20 to 25 cents a pop on a single-use item that you fill with excrement may seem completely crazy because that 25 cents really does add up. The website Investopedia found that the average American family in 2019 spends $550 per year on disposable diapers, Then that's based on an average of $0.20 per diaper, by the way, and that figure does not include all of those disposable single-use wet wipes. Compare $550 a year with $150 upfront on a complete set of cloth diapers. This is one instance where the math is pretty black and white. You can literally save over $1,000 over the course of your child's diapering life by cloth diapering. And of course, that's minus any added costs associated with water usage. If you have a young one in diapers or you are planning to sometime down the line have a young one in diapers, know that cloth diapering doesn't have to be an all or nothing proposition. So you don't have to choose a side. It doesn't have to be cloth or paper. You can do a little of both and you can make it work in a way that feels right for your family. When I was pregnant with my second daughter, my husband and I sat down to discuss this diapering conundrum and we decided that what worked for our family was to cloth diaper at home, but paper diaper outside of the home. So you're probably thinking to yourself, what on earth does this look like? Well, when we are at home, my daughter's in cloth diapers. When we go on short trips, like to the grocery store, she's in cloth diapers. But any extended car trip or any night away where we sleep elsewhere, 
She is in a paper diaper. If you've never cloth diapered before and you're wondering why on earth we use paper sometimes, the reason is that in my experience, I have found that paper diapers are much more absorbent. Cloth diapers require more diligent changing or else before you know it, your wet or soiled diaper will also wet or soil your child's clothes. So a wet diaper issue could really become a wet diaper plus wet clothes problem if you're out and about and don't have a set of clothes on you. So for us, extended trips out of the home mean we go with paper and that's that and it works for our family. For me, this strategy feels like a solid compromise because It balances my desire to leave less of an environmental footprint, but it also doesn't add too much extra work to my days. It's also really soft on my wallet too. We buy a box of diapers every eight months as opposed to what most families do, which is buy a box of diapers every month. Over the course of one year, we are spending about $65 on diapers as opposed to Investopedia's figure of $550 per year for the average American family on diapers. This diapers issue, it's not really so much of a reuse idea as much as a consider just going with the reusables. Moving right along to item number three, which of course, right, it's worn clothes old towels, and old sheets. I don't know about your grandma, but my grandma, if an item ever needed mending, she mended it. She had the skill set necessary to fix the zippers, to patch the holes, to hem the pants that were too long. Her list of sewing skills went on and on and on. Now, if an item of clothing had a problem that was unfixable, she reused that piece of otherwise decent fabric into something new. Clothes were never, ever, ever donated or ever trashed. They were always repurposed. And the reason is, is because fabric was expensive. If you are handy with a sewing machine, you can repurpose fabric into a myriad of items, including quilts, of course, or pillows. My grandmother taught me to sew. I've since kind of lost all that learning, but she taught me to sew using scraps of clothes and we made very simple pillows together. She would also take old clothes, cut them into squares, put square pieces of old towels in between the fabric, and then sew on top, basically making oven mitts. And as a little cute little side note here, she made a bunch in the 1950s and we still have them today. So you can make quilts, you can make pillows, you can make oven mitts, particularly big pieces of fabric. You can make curtains, particularly small pieces of fabric could become clothes for your child's dolls. Now, if you are not a sewer and do not know your way around a sewing machine, know that there are tons of simple clothing alterations you can do without a sewing machine. You don't even need much skill to do a lot of simple mending techniques, including fixing small holes or replacing buttons or tons more. All these little things will really extend the life of your clothes. I am so passionate about this. I did an entire episode on simple alterations that literally anyone can do without a sewing machine. And if you missed it, that was episode 27, if you're interested. If you're not a sewer, you don't want to sew, you don't want to repurpose, you don't want to mend, your easiest bet is to just reuse your fabric into rags. Make a bunch of rags and use them in place of those disposable wipes I just mentioned when discussing diapers. Or take those rags, fold them up, put them in a basket under your kitchen sink, 
and use them in place of paper towels for now and forevermore. So easy. All right, moving right along to item number four is glass jars. My grandparents had a collection of swoon-worthy glass jars, and that's because they recognized their versatility. So what on earth can you do with glass jars? You can use them to hold your spices or your grains or your loose-leaf tea. You can use them to hold your hair ties or your Q-tips or your cotton balls. When you use glass jars in your bathroom, for instance, for organization, you're really keeping things separate so that you keep things tidy. You can use your glass jars to hold your nails or your screws. My personal favorite reuse for jars idea is to freeze food in them, right? Because they allow me to stock my freezer without having to resort to using plastic. Last year for Christmas, I collected these cute little jam jars. And then when Christmas came around, my daughter and I made beeswax candles for my family members as their Christmas presents. So you get the picture. Glass jars have a variety of different uses. They're amazing for organization and they're free. Two quick tips for reusing jars. If you have some jars and they have a lingering smell, you can get that off by first washing it out, drying it, and setting it in the sun, both the jar and the lid, for a few hours. Then you can soak the jar and the lid in a bath of equal parts baking soda and vinegar, making sure that that solution is completely inside the jar overnight or until that original smell is completely gone. Moving right along to item number five, which is butter wrappers. My grandparents did not buy margarine in a plastic tub. They used butter for all their toast buttering needs. And what did they do with that white wrapper that keeps those perfectly rectangular sticks fresh? They saved them, of course. I have since adopted this practice. I save those butter wrappers in a bag in my fridge, and when it comes time for me to bake something, I use one or two to grease or butter a glass pan before baking. I love this reuse idea because it eliminates the need for me to purchase Pam or any other cooking spray in an aerosol container, and it also uses up that entire butter. And I'm all for ending food waste, even if that potential waste is tiny. Next item is newspaper. Newspaper has so many reuse ideas. I'm not even going to mention them all, but I am going to give you a little list of thoughts. Back in the day, newspaper was used to insulate homes. You could use it as insulation. You could use it as glass cleaner with a little bit of Windex or your favorite homemade cleanser to wipe away those little fingerprints on glass and windows. You can use newspaper, wrap them into little cups, and use them as seed starters. You can compost your newspaper. You can use newspaper to start fires. If you have a pet that is also a rodent and lives in a cage, you can use newspaper to line the bottom of that cage instead of buying bedding at the pet store. You can use newspaper as gift wrap. The list goes on and on. Newspaper is so versatile. However, this laundry list of reuse items for newspapers is not meant to advocate for still getting a newspaper. If you love to stay abreast of current events and you still get a newspaper, consider transferring that paper subscription to a digital version instead. All right, 
Reuse idea number seven, my grandma never threw away a stumpy candle. You don't have to throw them out either. You can scrape out all the wax. You can place it inside a coffee can and use that coffee can as a makeshift double boiler on your stove. So take that coffee can, put it in some water in a different pot on your stove, melt that wax down, and create a new candle with your scraps. Easy peasy, I just saved you $17.99 as well as a trip to Yankee Candle. You're welcome. (laughs) Item number eight is Ziploc bags. This item is a little tongue-in-cheek. The episode is all about things my grandma never threw away. Of course, my grandmother did not throw away Ziploc bags, and that's because they weren't even invented yet. They weren't invented until 1968. I hear it all the time today in 2019. How did we survive before Ziploc? What did men and women use to store their food? When it comes to storing food without plastic and without Ziploc bags, it turns out that you have a lot of options. When it comes to freezing food, glass jars, we already talked about those, glass and steel containers freeze really well. When it comes to sticking food in the fridge, you can wrap your salad greens in a towel, roll it up, and put it in the fridge. When it comes to bread, you can put that bread in a pillowcase, put it in a bread box, or in the fridge, and it will keep just as long as if it was in that plastic baggie. Cheese stores very nicely in the refrigerator when it is wrapped in beeswax wrap, And when it comes to packing a lunch to take to work or to take to school, don't underestimate the wonderfulness of wax paper. Is wonderfulness a word? I don't think so. Well, don't underestimate that wax paper anyway. If none of those options pique your interest, know that there are some really great eco-friendly and reusable alternatives to Ziploc bags. I'll link to them in the show notes if you are dying to purchase something. But if you are still using Ziploc bags and you have no plans to stop, know that unless you're storing something really gross or something really unsanitary like raw meat in them, you can reuse those Ziploc bags again and again and again and basically until they rip. So wash them out, dry them out, and reuse. Next item that my grandma never ever threw away was soap scraps. Now, this reuse idea is going to sound completely foreign to many of us simply because many of us have made the switch to liquid soap. And if that's you, if you're using liquid soap in a pump bottle, I urge you to consider going back to bars of soap because first there's that plastic problem, right? Liquid soap is packaged in plastic. And then there's the problem associated with sanitation. And if you're worried about sanitation and think that a bar of soap harbors germs, it doesn't. Science has proven that bacteria cannot survive on a bar of soap. So lose the thought that liquid soap is somehow safer or more sanitary or healthier. It's not. Consider supporting a soap maker at your local farmer's market. These soaps, by the way, especially if they're made locally and in small batches, they're likely to be non-toxic, which is better for your health. Boldly go for that bar. I'm a huge sucker for a good bar of artisanal soap, and I'd love it if you just tried it and report it back. Back to my grandma and her soap scraps. When her soap became too small to use, she did not just chuck it. 
She would collect a bunch of those little slivers of soap, and when she had enough of them, she would drop them into a small glass container with a little bit of water, and she would leave it overnight. That soap overnight would melt into a liquid soap so that she could get a couple more washes using that reused, repurposed soap. Item number 10 is that toothbrush. Save that toothbrush and clean out the little cracks and crevices in your home that often go unnoticed, like that grout between your shower tiles, for instance. If you are using a bamboo toothbrush, nice job, pat yourself on the back. This tip works well for you too. Since the handle of your bamboo brush is compostable, but the nylon bristles likely are not, you can extend the life of that brush and those bristles by using it for cleaning. When it is ready to be composted, just snip off the head of that brush, toss the bristles in the trash, and compost the handle as normal. All right, number 11 is, oh, I love this one. It's dryer lint. First things first, I have to come clean. My grandmother almost never used the dryer. I have very vivid memories of her hanging up everything, towels included, on her clothesline in the backyard that looked oddly like an umbrella without the fabric on it. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) She hung her clothes and her sheets and her towels when it was sunny, when it was cloudy, in the winter, you name it, that clothesline and her bag of clothespins got use. And by the way, her bag of clothespins were stored in a bag that she made from recycled fabric hanging on a hanger. I don't recall my grandmother ever doing anything with her dryer lint, but if she did, I am certain she would have reused it to make her fires in the winter. Dryer lint is an excellent fire starter. You can save it. It's weightless, right? It takes up very little room. Save it to start a fire whenever you may need to start a fire. If you are a big camper or a a big hiker, store it in a bag, bring it along with you, and thank me later. All right, we got two left. Next one is eggshells. My grandmother used the entire egg. She, of course, used both the eggs and the egg yolks. If she was cooking something that needed egg yolks, she absolutely always saved those egg whites for breakfast the next morning. And the same goes for eggshells as well. She would collect a bunch of eggshells, then she would crush them up using a mortar and pestle, and she would mix those crushed eggshells into the soil of both her garden in the summer and her house plants in the winter because those eggshells provided much needed calcium to her plants and the eggshells also kept away the pests. Last one is bread tags. Now you know what bread tags are, right? It's that little piece of square plastic that is used to keep that plastic bag around your bread closed. You can reuse those bread tags in a really awesome way. If you have a tangled pile of cords behind your desk or behind your bed, for example, and there's a lot of cords and there's a mess and you don't know which cord goes to what item, simply write on a bread tag, alarm clock, or monitor, or whatever it may be, and then stick that bread tag on the correct cord with the label facing out. Voila, you have just labeled all your cords. No more tangled cord pile. 
All right, there you have it. 13 items my grandparents never, ever threw away. I hope this episode inspired you to do a little bit more reuse and a little less single use. And as I was researching this episode, I really found myself fascinated at all the ways in which our parents and our grandparents were exceptionally resourceful. So I would love to know, what did your grandparents never throw away? I would really love to hear from you. You can leave me a comment in this week's show notes, or you can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram. I'll mention your best tips on the next episode. Now, speaking of those show notes, you can find them at mamaminimalist.com forward slash zero eight zero. I know this episode went kind of quick, so I have literally everything we talked about in the show notes. Check them out as a resource for you. On next week's show, we are getting into composting once and for all. Your questions answered. I will see you then. Take care. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.